God is nowhere. God is now here. It's only a space. Hallelujah. Tonight, uh, I want to continue the, the teaching series that we are in and uh, want to share on evangelism, but in a different way. It's not about how to do evangelism, but we are not going to be effective as evangelists. We're not going to be effective unless we understand the stages of evangelism. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 26. Acts 26, if you have a Bible, maybe you'll get the, uh, the scriptures on the screen. Acts chapter 26, verse 17 to 18. How many know that Jesus came to set the captives free? Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. And so what is evangelism? It is actually deliverance that is happening. Paul writes it so beautifully and he says, this is what happened in his life. Acts chapter 26, we are reading from verse 17 to 18. He says, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. And this is, you know, his conversion experience and what Jesus ministers to him. This is what is happening in your salvation. It is a deliverance. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes. Evangelism is about opening the eyes of people so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is what happens when somebody is born again. And this is why the battle is real. Because there is a transference happening. There is a transition happening between two kingdoms. These are two kingdoms in conflict. That's why we struggle with evangelism. That's why it's not easy. That's why it's not, you know, a cakewalk for people to just come unless it's just revival and God's moving in a sovereign way. There is a battle that is raging in the heavenlies. And we must know that. You see, this is about opening their spiritual eyes. Because the God of this age has blinded the eyes of people. Their inner hearts are blind. They can't see the truth. They can't see the truth because they don't have light inside. They have to move. They have to be turned from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. That's the transference that has to happen. Then they will receive the forgiveness of sins. Then they are saved. And then what happens? Along with that, with that salvation comes an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is the church. You have an inheritance in the body of Christ. You become part of the family of God. That's when you can declare and say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Amen. With confidence we can say, I am a child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So let me just set kind of a theological framework as we uh, uh, go along tonight. Turn with me to Exodus. You know, I, I found it very interesting that when we understand and study evangelism, there is a whole parallel in the Old Testament which tells us what happens during evangelism. And I believe it is deliverance that is happening. Because if you look at Exodus chapter 5 and verses 1, uh, we're going to do a couple of scriptures. It will come on the screen, so just follow with me, all right? Amen. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now what a declaration this man of God is making. And that's exactly what evangelism is. 
we are declaring to the enemy forces we are declaring to the the kingdoms that are in conflict with us we are declaring to the territorial spirits we are declaring war in the heavenly we are saying let my people go because the people belong to god anyway satan has encroached satan has you know taken a foothold or a stronghold in their lives and kept them blinded from knowing the truth and we need people deliverers will stand up like moses and say let my people go we must understand that egypt in the bible is a type of the world and pharaoh is a type of the devil right and so you're going to see that parallel here now if you turn to exodus chapter 3 uh and uh, when you look at uh, verses 7 to 10 we see this exodus 3 7 to 10 says then the lord said i have surely seen the affliction of my people see what's happening in the spiritual god is looking down from heaven and he's seeing people afflicted and in bondage in slavery but i like these phrases that are there i have surely seen god sees the affliction of my people who are in egypt in the world and they have heard and have heard their cry not just seen but heard their cry because of their taskmasters they are in slavery then he says i know their sufferings wow we have a god who not only sees god who not only hears but a god who knows the sufferings of people the pain of people the brokenness of people the longings of people the hunger and thirst in people's hearts god sees hears and he knows he doesn't stop there and i have come down to deliver god doesn't just watch all this and sit in heaven he comes down to deliver he did that you know with the israelites in the old testament that's what he does even now to come down to deliver them out of the hand of the egyptians and to bring them up he doesn't just come down he brings us up bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites the Hittites the Amorites the Perizzites the Hivites and the Jebusites and somebody said and all the other parasites <laughs> and now behold the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and i have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them see the devil like the Egyptians is keeping people in bondage to sin to sickness to curses to addictions to habits and they are helpless unless someone comes and delivers unless someone comes to save and god says i have seen i have heard i know i come down i deliver i bring them but then as we go down it says and now behold the cry of the people has come to me and i have seen the oppression it says now verse 10 come i will send i will send you to pharaoh God not only sees God not only hears God not only knows God not only comes down and delivers God not only brings up but then he comes to a place he will send you Amen that's why we are talking about evangelism because we are now sent by God to stand before a pharaoh Amen it says I will send you to pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt God has his people in your locality god has his people that god has you know god has finger on god has his people we don't know that yet but god has his people in your neighborhood god has his people in your street god has his people in your company that you're working god has his people in the organization that you are in god has his people among your relatives but we must be those who are sent by god you know 
to the world to bring them in. Says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And then Moses goes on to give all his objections. And we read that, you know, in chapter 3, verse 11 to chapter 4, verse 14. That's a message in itself, I'm not getting there. But all the objections and the excuses of Moses that he brings up. And let me ask you tonight, what is your excuse? What is your excuse to not do it when God calls us to tell about him and to set people free? Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen? And we are called to set captives free. And we must take this very seriously. So now, I'm not going to get into the objections of uh, Moses, but I want to look, you know, tonight quickly to the objections of Pharaoh. The excuses that Pharaoh gives is very interesting. And once we understand that, we realize why it is spiritual warfare all the way, why it is so difficult when we go out and do evangelism. And once we get that clear, it makes sense to us. We build a foundation on which we can then pray and move forward in victory. Notice the objections of Pharaoh. Everything is attacked by Pharaoh when this is said. What did they say? Let my people go. Let my people go is a decree. Let my people go is a declaration. Let my people go is, you know, is a, is a commanding voice. It's a voice with authority. And that's what we say. We want to see, you know, Scotland say, we want to see Livingston come to Jesus. That's a declaration we make. And every time we make, we encounter objections. We encounter roadblocks. We encounter, you know, these, these hindrances that come. And we're going to look at those. And those are actually the six stages of evangelism or deliverance that actually happens. In Exodus chapter 5 verse 2. Turn back to Exodus 5 and verse 2. When they said let my people go. What did Pharaoh say? Verse 2. But Pharaoh said. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Who is this God? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. Who is God? Look at the audacity. But that's what we encounter when we meet with people. Who is this God that you're talking about? Who is Jesus? Who is Jehovah? Who is this God of Israel? Who is God? Who is the Lord? That I should obey His voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Who is the Lord? What is the first thing? What is the first objection of Pharaoh? He questions the existence and identity of God. Everywhere you go, you will see people in these two categories. As I said before, God is now here or God is nowhere. And as you encounter people, they have believed this lie. And they will challenge you on this, on the existence of God. God is nowhere. God is nowhere. And that's what you encounter first. Pharaoh is challenging the very existence and the identity of God. Who is this God that you're talking about? Who is the Lord? Notice in Genesis chapter 3, that's exactly what we see. In Genesis 3 verses 1, and then in verse 4, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now look at, look at verse 4. We see, but the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. But before that, what did he say? He said to the woman, did God actually say? Did God actually say? And this is what we will encounter as we talk to people. Who is this God that you're talking about? Did he really say? Is the Bible really reliable? How can we trust the book? You know, this is exactly what they will say. And then, 
there will always be this one the lie of the enemy because the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die oh no jesus is not the only way oh no heaven is you know for wings they will say oh this is all just you know man made ideas because they want to believe the lie for the truth of god's word did god really say enemy always wants to make you doubt god's word and then the lie you will not die you have to counter this always satan will object to the existence and the identity of god the second stage is this in exodus chapter 7 turn with me to exodus 7 verses 8 to 13 Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron when Pharaoh says to you prove yourselves by working a miracle then you shall say to Aaron take your staff cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded Aaron cast down a staff before Pharaoh and his servants it became a serpent then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and they the magicians of Egypt also did the same by their secret arts for each man cast down his staff and they became serpents wow but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs still Amen. pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the lord has said Amen. what is happening there's a challenging counterfeit the second stage of evangelism is it's not just the questioning of the identity and the existence of god be the truth of the scripture and all of that did god really say oh it is like this you will not die there's no heaven all those things now we come to a challenging counterfeit there's a power encounter and now we can come to see in all the religions and the isms they try to do things they try to you know show things and there's healing and miracles and even tongues and you know all of those things as a challenging counterfeit and we must realize that and don't get you know intimidated by that because this is what's happening rod of moses down serpent the rod of the 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 magicians down serpent so there is a power there but there is a greater power because the rod of moses the staff ate up all the other rods hallelujah we serve a great and mighty god yes there is a challenging counterfeit yes there will be power encounters but there is definitely a counter attack but we know we are on the winning side greater is he that is in you and me than he that is in the world Hallelujah then we read about the 10 plagues that happened. Did you know that all the plagues that struck Egypt 10 was actually 10 gods. Amen. <laughs> Everything about the plagues were worshiped. They worshiped the Nile, they worshiped the frog, they they worshiped everything. They worshiped the firstborn, you name every plague you take. They worshiped it. And God deals with every one of those gods. with a small g god with a big g god deals with every one of those gods with a small g and all those plagues were god's way of embarrassing the people of egypt and pharaoh but as much as there is the power that is there there is also a greater power that will overrule that amen you know when when a flight takes off there's the power of gravity that brings it down with the weight of the plane and the luggage and everything but then there is a greater power as you know as it takes off aerodynamics kicks in 
And then what happens? Because that supersedes the law of gravity. It's the same way. Yes, there is power in, you know, with what the devil does and with all the religions. But God's power is greater and will supersede. And as you deal with people, we must keep in mind, yes, there is a challenging counterfeit, but we are on the winning side. Amen. Look at chapter 8 and verse 19. Exodus 8 and verses 19. Hallelujah. It says, you know, then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. See, God is behind the scenes working even in the heart of Pharaoh and sometimes even hardening his heart. All of these things happening, he wouldn't let them go. But the finger of God, again mentioned in the New Testament, Jesus said, if I by the finger of God cast out devils, the, the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's that same finger that wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. The same finger that wrote, you know, when that woman was caught in adultery and Jesus writes with his finger. What he wrote, I don't know. But he writes, it's the same finger. Hallelujah. He is the power of God. The power of God is resting on the Lord Jesus because he was full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus in 1 John 3, 8 says, this is the reason why he came. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. So he's not scared. He's not afraid. And we should not be. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to bring deliverance. He came to bring salvation. He came to, you know, to, to, to destroy completely all the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. By the finger of God. So there is this objection. Questioning the existence identity of God. There is this challenging counterfeit the counterattack. But then we move on. We see in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 28. We see Pharaoh now says, so Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Now listen, only, only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Okay, you can go, but don't go too far. When you talk to people, when you're involved in evangelism, as you're leading people to Christ, you will see this. Well, I'm born again and you know, that's nothing more. Uh, well, I'm saved. Uh, you know, I don't want to be sanctified. And the devil is very happy. And Pharaoh is saying the same thing. He's saying, I will let you go, but don't go very far away. Don't grow in God. This is an attack on growth. You see, if the first attack is on faith, and if the second attack is on, it's a counterattack, you know, on power, this third attack is on growth. Go, but don't grow. Isn't that what Pharaoh is saying? Go, but don't grow. You stagnate. You just be where you are. Don't grow. Don't thrive. You just survive. Don't thrive. And the devil is happy. And many Christians are stuck there. Growth is attacked. Go but not far. Be saved, not sanctified. Be mature, not radical. You know, don't get too excited, they say. Don't grow. As long as people are immature, the devil is happy. But that's an objection that the devil brings. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Exodus chapter 10. Verses 7 to 11. Notice the next of Pharaoh's objections. Exodus 10, verse 7 to 11. Now here is where family and marriages are attacked. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, listen carefully. How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go. Let the men go. Right? We'll keep the women and the children. Let the men go. Let the men go. That they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh and he said to him, Go serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? 
Moses said, we will go with our young and old. Hallelujah. We will go with our sons and daughters. And with our flocks and herds. For we must hold a feast to the Lord. He said to them, the Lord be with you. Notice how he's so cunning in the way he said, how diplomatic he is. But the Lord be with you. If ever I let you and your little ones go, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. So no. Go, the men among you, and serve the Lord. For that is what you are asking. They were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So the enemy does not want families to come to church. The enemy does not want families to be saved. The enemy does not want families to be transformed. Oh, let the men go. Oh, let the women go for prayer. Let the, you know, just the children go for Sunday school. You see that in families all across. But the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, you and your household. Yes. How many believe in household salvations? God is interested. God puts a finger on you. When God touches you, when God calls you, when God saves you, He's saving your family. And the enemy tries to hold it back. You know, we'll hold the husband back, we'll hold the wife back, we'll hold the children back, we'll hold the siblings back. Say, no, we must be people who say, no, I believe on the Lord Jesus and we will be saved our household too. Amen. And so that's the objection that is there. Marriage and families are attacked. It's the same strategy even today. But we must overcome that. The devil doesn't stop there. Exodus chapter 10. Look at verse 24 to 26. And it says this. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Your little ones may go with you. Only let the flocks and your herds remain behind. Now notice the next objection. Okay, let the families go. Fine. But keep the... The flocks, the herd, your cattle, your livestock, let it remain. Okay, all your resources should be left behind. But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. Hallelujah. What an audacity to stand before Pharaoh and say, no way. If we're going to serve God, we're going to serve God with our resources. We're going to serve God with our finances. We're going to serve God with money. You see, when the devil tries everything, you know, he also comes now to your finances and attacks your finances. The attack now is not just on your marriage, on your family, but now on your resources, on finances. And sometimes, you know, in this situation of COVID and jobs being gone, I want you to know it's an attack also on your finances. But notice, you know, in chapter 12 and verse 36, what happens, how God turns the tables around. God is a game changer. Praise the Lord. Amen. Chapter 12 verse 36. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So that they let them have what they asked. Wow. And thus they plundered the Egyptians. Come on. The wealth of the ungodly is set up for the righteous. How many know that? God let them plunder the Egyptians. All they should do is just go and ask and they'll say, Oh, you want this? You want my necklace? You want this? You want all my credit cards? Take it. You understand what I'm saying? Go. Go, just go. Take what you want. And in the process, plunder. Normally, plunder happens after the, the battle is won. When an army, you know, plunders, it is actually when the battle is won, they go and plunder. Battle has not begun. See how God beautifully does it. They go and plunder the Egyptians. Not one sword, not one bullet fired, not one attack. But what happens? God gives favor. 
This is called favor. And the Lord had given the people favor. How many of you are trusting God for favor? We are living in days of favor. Amen. Amen. Whenever God does a miracle, don't, don't miss it. If it may be a small one, it may be a big one, but it's a miracle. You know, and, and you need to praise the Lord for that. God is giving you favor in all that you do. Amen. The favor. So we plunder the Egyptians, plunder, you know, uh, hell and populate heaven, as somebody said in Jesus' name. But lastly, look at, you know, the, in Exodus chapter 14, we see life is being attacked. First the faith was attacked, then there was a counter-attack, then the growth was attacked, then the family was attacked, then the finances were attacked, but eventually it comes down to life itself. When your health is attacked, when you are attacked, when your life itself is attacked. I like that song, God it is you who is the breath in our lungs. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why I pour out my praise. Our life is hidden in God. And unless God allows, nobody can touch our lives. No demon in hell can take away our life. No sickness, no virus can take our life away. And that's why we don't fear. The world may be shaken. You know, the United States uh, president may be in a hospital right now needing oxygen maybe. But you know, we know the world is shaken but we are not shaken because the Lord God reigns. He is in control. Our life is in God's hands. So the psalmist says, my times are in your hands. He is the breath in our lungs. Amen. But life will be attacked. Exodus 14 Verse 5 to 8, we see that when the king of Egypt uh, was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants were changed towards the people. And they said, all of a sudden he changed his mind. That's what the devil does. What is this that we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us. All of us think that, you know, once we are saved, the devil doesn't bother us. Sorry if you think that way. No. Once the the Israelites have gone, the Egyptians have not let go. They now want to attack again. Now, this time... They want to damage the life. What is this we have done? Oh, we made a mistake. Is it? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt. The whole army, all the chariots with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, when he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. They were going out defiantly. They just plundered. They were rich now. They had promises ready. They're going in to the promised land to see this God of covenant going to do great and mighty things in their life. Excited, rejoicing. They are going. But all of a sudden, there is an attack from behind. And this is what the enemy does. We are saved. We are born again. We are baptized. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are experiencing the goodness of God. And all of a sudden, war comes in. Our life is attacked as well. We face battle after battle and we realize that life is attacked. But look at verse, verse 13 to 14. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. Hallelujah. The Egyptians, the battles that you see, the enemies that you see, you will never see them again. That's why the Psalms said, God will prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. In the midst, in the sight of your enemies, God will prepare a table. That's the God we serve. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. You just have to be still. You don't have to fight this because this is not your battle. My brother, my sister, those watching online, this is not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Amen? Now the battle is the Lord's and He will fight. And did He fight? Of course He did. 
Look at verse 19. The angel of God was going before the host of Israel. Moved and, and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from before. And stood behind them. Coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. God moves on your behalf. Heaven moves on your behalf. God doesn't abandon his children when in battle. Or in struggle, in pain, in suffering. When you're in a hospital bed. God doesn't abandon you in, your, in the ICU. Somebody said the ICU. God is saying I see you. I see you for intensive care unit, but I see you. God sees you right there. Hallelujah. That's a God that we serve. The battle is the Lord's. Look at verse 30 to 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel. Salvation is deliverance. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. If people have to believe in the Lord, if people have to believe in us as servants of God, God has to move in great power. And that's why we had days of fasting and praying and seeking God's face. Saying, Lord, move on our behalf. We can't do it. We can't reach Livingston. We can't touch Scotland. Not even scratch the surface if you are not with us. Amen. We need the power of God. We need to walk in the supernatural. Because our God is with us. Let everything be attacked. But we know God is with us. Our faith may be attacked. There may be a counter attack. Our growth may be attacked. Our family, our finances. But eventually our life also may be attacked. But we know God is with us. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that? Our God is with us. Yes, he is. He is with us. Amen. You know, there is the spirit of the age that is there. The spirit of the age. There's a German word for that. Zeitgeist. The spirit of the age. And that's what we see around. And that is blinding the hearts and minds of people from knowing the truth. And that's holding them back. The same objections. The six objections that Pharaoh had. Is there even now as you go and set people free. As you go and share the gospel. As you go and pray and lay hands on the sick and see them healed. As you go and cast out devils. As you go and evangelize and tell the truth of the gospel to people. You will see that there is this spirit of the age. The challenge you counterfeit. But that is against God's spirit. I want you to know that. Even today. Listen carefully now. Even today. The spirit of Pharaoh still keeps People in bondage. Lives are in bondage and enslavement. Holding people captive in the Egypt of fear, legalism as slaves. Is that true? The spirit of Pharaoh. The spirit of Jezebel still lives prompting men and women who carry a mantle to hide in the cave of discouragement. Fear, anxiety and confusion. Oftentimes, sometimes sexual perversion and manipulation and control. It happens as a spirit of Jezebel active. There's a spirit of Goliath. It still lives intimidating and challenging the anointed. Mocking the children of God. Isn't that what Goliath did to, to David the, and the Israel? Challenging, mocking the people of God. Spirit of Goliath. There's a spirit of Absalom that still lives. Dividing homes and churches, communities and relationships. Bringing disharmony and discord. There's a spirit of Saul still it still lives trying to pin the anointed to the wall. There's a spirit of Nebuchadnezzar that still lives demanding that a generation that still carries favor, even in the midst of Babylonian captivity, bow down to the lies of a false narrative that negates truth, grace and love. Just engaging biblical metaphors here. Listen carefully. There's a spirit of Herod 
that still lives killing the young and the unborn in the womb. That's why abortion is now a fashion statement for people. And so a post will say, I've had 21 abortions and I'm proud of it. Can you believe it? The lies that people have believed in? The spirit of Herod is still killing lives. Killing the innocent in the wombs of mothers. And in the streets. Murdering precious infant dreams and visions. Through alcohol, drugs and sex trafficking. I have news for you tonight. When we read prophet Isaiah. As he talks about the spirit of God. The sevenfold spirit. And in Revelation. Talk about the seven spirits. I want you to know that there is a spirit, listen, more powerful than all these other spirits combined. There is a spirit that is more powerful than the power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Hallelujah. It is the spirit of Christ. It is the spirit of the land of God. It is the spirit of the Lion of Judah. Amen. That's the most powerful spirit. And in that spirit is, is the most powerful spirit in all time, in all history and in all generations. That same spirit that hovered over the darkness in Genesis 1 verse 2. That same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. So it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord. And where the spirit is present there is freedom. Amen. No more slavery. No more enslavement. No more bondage. There is freedom. And there is power. Amen. So every time there is a pathetic reality that the enemy puts in front of you. God provides a prophetic antidote. He brings a solution. Every time darkness tries to win, God says, let there be light. Hallelujah. So let there be light in Livingston. Let there be light in Scotland. Let there be light in our neighborhoods. Amen. Yes, we see darkness. Yes, we see the spirits at work. But God is still moving. God is still moving in the midst of moral relativism, spiritual empathy and cultural decadence, even ecclesiastical lukewarmness. Churches may be cold, but God is still Moving. The problem in the world is not the darkness. It is not the devil. The problem today sometimes is a lukewarm church. Comfortable Christians. When we realize who we are and what we have in Christ, things will change. That's why it's important for us to be effective as we engage in evangelism and deliverance. We must realize who we are and what we have in Christ. What does it mean? It means that God's presence over our lives removes obstacles from our lives. All the objections of the enemy are taken care of. It means that for every Pharaoh that rises up, there will be a Moses that says, let my people go. Can you say amen? It means that for every Pharaoh that rises up, there will be a Moses. It means for every Saul or Goliath or Absalom, there must be a David. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there will be a Daniel. For every Jezebel, there must be an Elijah. And for every Herod, there will be a Jesus that stands up. Hallelujah for every devil that has the audacity to rise up against you. The church of the living God. There is a mightier God that will rise up for you. Hallelujah. That's why it says if God be for us. Who can be against us? That's the promise. That's the truth. That's the reality. Remember you are here today. Not because you perfectly held on to God. But because he perfectly held on to you. Amen. We are here not because our faith is so efficient. But because his grace is always sufficient. And that's the certainty, the solid faith that we have. That is the Christian faith. And you and I are here because of what heaven has placed inside of us. And it's greater than anything that hell or Satan has placed in front of us. You and I are here because God does great things with broken pieces. We are here because we have learned the secret that when life throws rocks, we build an altar. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. When light stands next to darkness, light always wins. Isn't that comforting to know tonight? When light stands next to darkness, light always wins. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to close in prayer tonight. Yes, there is a challenging counterfeit. Yes, we will face warfare. But we are on the winning side. Amen. And we're going to pray. Let every head bow, every eye close. We're going to pray together tonight. Hallelujah. For the six objections that Pharaoh brought, God has solutions. And we're going to pray tonight. Number one, when the enemy objects and questions the existence and identity of God, we are praying tonight that God will raise up deliverers, even among us. God will raise up a Moses among us for a time such as this, who will stand up with boldness and authority and say, let my people go. Hallelujah. Amen. And for the counterattack and the challenge in counterfeit, we are praying tonight that we as God's ambassadors and representatives will begin to exercise our God-given authority and power. Amen. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We have a greater power. Church, brothers and sisters, the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, lives in us, dwells in us, and we don't have to be afraid. We take authority in Jesus' name. And number three, our prayer is that we will be aware of the schemes and the strategies and the snares of the enemy. When growth is attacked, when families are attacked, marriages are attacked, we know there are snares and strategies and schemes of the enemy. We are not unaware of it. And we will begin to be mindful of that. Hallelujah. When marriages are attacked, we will claim what rightly belongs to us, household salvations. Tonight, think of that unsaved relative. Think of that unsaved person in your neighborhood. Think of that unsaved person in your own family, maybe a child. And I want you to claim tonight in the name of Jesus and say, we believe that our household will be saved. When the enemy says, no, only the men can go, we say, no. No hope will be left behind in Jesus' mighty name. Take authority in the spirit in the name of Jesus. When finances are attacked, we know that God will guard us. And we will be on guard against every hidden trap of the devil. Giving no foothold, no legal rights over our lives. No strongholds of the enemy in our lives. Amen. Our finances belong to the Lord Jesus. We will continue to be givers. Even in a time of economic collapse, we will die. We will give because that is the lifestyle of the kingdom. Our finances belong to the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. The devil will have no say. We will not just survive. We will thrive. Amen. We will experience the prosperity of the Lord. Because in the midst of famine, God's people prospered. And that's who we are. We are God's people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when life is attacked, we will know that God fights all of our battles. Even today, the battle belongs to to the Lord. And so Father tonight in the name of Jesus. As much as there is a spirit of the age. There is a spirit that is challenging. And, and, and is trying to bring raise objections. As we go out to minister. We know Father that you have given us the victory. And we stand on the ground tonight. That we are on the winning side. We have victory. Thanks be to God. Who always leads us in triumph. In triumphant procession. And we declare that Jesus won the victory on the cross. Because you said it is finished. It is finished. The devil is now under our feet. And we thank you God that we have victory in the name of Jesus. We thank you God. We claim household salvations. We claim victory in the name of Jesus. 
We claim souls to be saved right here in Livingston, Lord. From every street, from every colony, from every community, from every neighborhood. Lord, we pray that people will come from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. Let souls be saved in Jesus' mighty name. We say, let my people go. We declare, let my people go in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people say, Amen. 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 Amen.